And that's when I grabbed him right by his pips and said, Plant these, Percival. <laughs> oh, not the pips. Oof. Oh, dear. Oh, dearie me. Oh, dearie, dearie me. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, it now grows at the end of my garden, and you can hear the screams at midnight. That's not good. That's no. not good do at know, all. Do you know what else isn't good? What? Big Dumb Cast, everybody. Welcome hey. aboard. Brand new episode. We are back it's to true. Uh, true. something which... Something which used to be a novelty every year on this show, which was um, remote records, panto time. It used to be something that was, you know, oh, this is a thing we're doing, I guess, during this period. Uh, but then we spent most of 2020 and early 2021 also doing it. So it, yeah. it never it never left, and we were yeah. kind of glad to see the back of it. Uh, and alas, earwax. Um, here we are, doing this shit again. But it does mean I yes. get to gaze at my computer screen, and instead of seeing what I usually see on there, big heaving breasts yeah. and uh, throbbing members, and more, and more and more betwixt and in between, hey. I get to stare at the face of a lovely young and handsome man on my computer. And Hello, also me. Boy. I wish I saw this other person on the chat. <laughs> That's the boy. We keep him in a box mm. with him out for special occasions. Mm. My name is Christopher. Mm, Forced Chili Burp Johnson. And my name is Mud. <laughs> Why Mud? It's just, it's always been. Uh, and always, just, ever shall be. Because I'm We're the bring you... son of bitch there ever was. I dressed in blue, yes, navy blue, from head to toe. Okay, I see where we're going with this. <laughs> um, wasn't expecting it, but I'll take it. Um... We are here to bring uh, you news, geeky gossip, and other stuff to fill your time on the long and winding road towards our inevitable demise and yours, dear listener. Spoiler the long and winding road, bum bum, bing bing, that leads to oblivion. And any other Elder Scrolls game? Um, yeah. Hi. Uh. Quite a few bits of bobs happened this week, and we can talk about them coming up. Spoiler-free review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. We've also got uh, spoiler-free. Don't worry, spoiler-free. Don't worry, spoiler-free. Uh, we're also going to chat about the latest episode of the Doctor Who Flux series, Doctor Who Village of the Angels. Oh, Doctor Who, what a cluster flux. God, that's good. I know it's good. That's it's really good. good. It's very good. I wish it was the title. I wish it was um, the title. <laughs> you can make it the title. <laughs> I could, but I shan't. Um, so Busted! Yeah, we're... Uh, no, the title will probably have something to do with angels, and they'll be in the thumbnail and all that shit, so... That which holds the image of an angel itself becomes an angel, etc. That which holds the image of an angel itself becomes a plot device. Let's go, carry on. <laughs> carry what on. else happened this week? What other shit churned oh, out of the mill? fuck all happened. I've been... I don't know, I've been busy... Um, yeah, you've been a busy boy. You've been working. You've been working hard, or hardly yeah. working, but only the first one. Um, what else? Do you about Bobby? Co- do you about Bobby Kotick oh, and the Activision Blizzard fuck bullshit? That guy. Fuck that oh, guy! Mad, isn't and that's it? all we're gonna say about that. So mad. Uh, hey, folks, if you're thinking, oh, go on, I'll pick up Call of Duty again this year. Maybe don't for once. Maybe don't. Just for once. Just for once. 
Um, it's really annoying as well because I'm like, oh, I'm curious about Overwatch 2, but the rest of my brain is going, but not curious enough to pay a bunch of serial sexual harassers. Allegedly. To uh, get more money. So. I mean, we all know Bobby Kotick's a piece of shit. We didn't need to have it confirmed. Like this. Thrice um, fold in a way. Thrice fold. Thrice, fold. Um, so, Thrice and folds. Up the folds. Up, else? up, up the ziggurat. Lickety split. What else happened? Oh, I watched... Pretty... Oh, I wa- go on. I watched Midnight Mass on Netflix. Right, okay. Yeah, right. So this is the this is the new thing by... Um, Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan, yes. Uh, 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 Dr. Sleep. And, Doctor, and, Doctor Sleep. Uh, Oculus. Haunted Hill House. Oculus. Yeah. Haunting of Blind Manor, which I've not seen. What is... What is... This show is it episodic? Is it a serial? What is it? Well, tell it's us tell a me seven more. Seven episode series. Mm. Seven and done. About? <laughs> no, that's all you're getting. Imagine, it's seven, seven episode episodes, series. and that's it. No, uh, it's, a, it's available, and you can it's, watch it's it. It's available. You can watch it now. It <gasps> is a right now. <laughs> it's a small fishing island, a small small island with a fishing community in somewhere in New England. Yes. Someone's been reading Stephen King. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mike Flanagan. Uh, so, it's very Mike Flanagan. It's the most Mike Flanagan show. Um, so, um, small island in off, about 30 miles off the coast of New England. Small fishing community there, but it's been sort of financially gutted by uh, an oil spill a few years back, which has killed their fishing quotas. So there's about 100, and, there's less than 200 people living on the island. Mm-hmm. Um. And there's only one church, it's a Catholic church. And the priest there, the Monsignor Pruitt, he is in his 80s. He's suffering from dementia. So he's been sent uh, by the community off to, um, on a pilgrimage to Damascus mm-hmm. to sort of see if he can get any better. Uh, he doesn't come back. Uh, instead... Uh, Father Paul Hill is sent by the Catholic Church, uh, uh, ostensibly while Father Pruitt is recovering in hospital uh, before he returns to his parish. At the same time as a uh, a young son of the island by the name of Riley, who has been uh, in prison for the last five years for a DUI manslaughter, which mm-hmm. is which is keep which keeps him awake. Well, well, which. Um, haunts him every night by him seeing a uh, the the vision of the girl he killed on the tarmac once again. Every night before yeah. he goes to sleep, um, she's there, uh, glass in her face, uh, emergency of his slides reflecting over. So that that's what creeps him tonight. He comes back to the island at the same time, and so he's trying to you know reintegrate into island life and. This Catholic, very Catholic community has the upheaval of a new father. But this new father quickly becomes very popular. Um, Mm -hmm. He's very good with people. Um, And to the point where people start enjoying mass more and more. There's a young girl on the island who was paralysed in an accident a few years back. Mm -hmm. And the priest decides to make... sort of make her come and get the communion from him. And then go back up the stairs to the altar and make her come and get it from him. And she does. She gets out of a chair and she walks over and gets the communion. Uh, what? 
and she didn't know she could. But it's just the beginning of some weird shit going down on the island. And yeah, maybe Father Hill isn't who he seems. Maybe there's something going on that is a little more, shall we say, supernatural. Yeah. You mean it's not based in medical science? It's not based in medical science, mate. What are you talking about? This sounds it's, perfectly um, legitimate and completely what it, could happen very, day to day. It's very good. It's got a cracking cast. Um, and it is the most Mike Flanagan thing, as I said, because it is mostly a series of monologues about the various themes mm-hmm. of the series delivered by the characters in just mesmerising fashion. Because it's a Mike Flanagan okay. project, so of course it's got Kate Siegel in it. Because, yeah, that's yeah. kind of a given yeah. at this point. If, you, if you're married <laughs> to Kate Siegel, why wouldn't you put her in your things, you know what I mean? Um... <laughs> Isn't it, weird how we, isn't it weird how we excuse that for some like directors, but for others, we're like, yeah. really? Another Resident Evil from you two? Well, it's because she's good, though, isn't it? Kate Siegel, <laughs> good. Millie Overvitch, mm. fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, Zach Guilford, Riley Flynn, um, he's great. Samantha Slyon's in it. She's like the, uh, the holier than thou uh, rector of the church, and she's fucking wonderfully despicable. <laughs> um, Rahul Kohli plays the sheriff who's like uh, a Muslim sheriff dealing with a very Catholic town mm-hmm. and it's like moved, he's moved away from the big city and specifically requested a smaller posting because of Islamophobia in on the mainland um, mm-hmm. Annabeth Gish uh, great and uh, uh, Henry Thomas again from his uh it's part of the Mike Flanagan players. <laughs> he's he's returning, and uh, Hamish Link later as as Father Paul Hill is fucking magnificent. Like really, <laughs> really, really very very good indeed. Um, so yes, yeah, great series. Seven episodes. Give it a watch. It's good stuff. I can guarantee. I can guarantee that you will be surprised by the path it takes. Okay. <clears throat> you had me at Mike Flanagan. Mm. You had me at Michael Finnegan. It's one of those, at the end of one of the episodes, one of the early episodes, about halfway through the series, you're like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. This is something else completely. But I'm fucking here for it. And it could, and it goes on to do a really good version of that. So yeah. So when you say when you say it's one and done, it's a nice, it's contained. This is the mm. story. It's it's you you're in, you're out. Yeah, absolutely. It's basically a seven hour long film. Okay. Netflix. Yeah. Is this instead of doing another haunting of blah blah blah, or or Quite is this a, a separate project? Quite possibly because you know, might find again, Kate Siegel. Henry Thomas, Netflix, yeah, it's there's another haunting project, I guess. But I didn't see the haunting of Blind Manor, so I don't know how thematically it it leads on. Yeah, I don't know that. if any, I don't know if any of them do, other than just sort of. Oh no! There's like some, the, there's some same I mean, talent crossing, and that's kind of it, really. I think I think they're thematically sort of they deal with the same sort of themes, 
Um, and steam trains, but not, but obviously not narratively. Yeah, so I think I think they have. <laughs> shut up. I think they have shared DNA in the sort of writing of them, but okay. uh, yeah. yeah. So it's sort of like yeah. long form inside number nine kind of stuff. Like the same minds are going to come up with this, but mm. every other year and <laughs> seven or eight episodes. So what's it yeah. called one more time for those who want to catch it? Midnight Mass. And Evelyn and Midnight Mass. Who was that? Billy Talent. Billy Talent. There we go. Big Great Billy song. Billy. Great Good, song. It's a cracking song. Um, Doesn't appear in the series. Ah. Upon you know which it's not based. Do you know what else is a great song that doesn't appear in its most recent um, release? Uh-oh. Ghostbusters what? by Ray Parker Jr. Oh, are you telling me that Ghostbusters Afterlife does not contain the song Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr.? It doesn't contain the song, although at least once in the film it uses the, the music of it. The so at one point that appears in it, but at no point do you hear Ray Parker Jr. singing. Well, Christopher, um, tell me. Don Miguel. <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife did Bustin make you feel good. It's a movie. Um, that's, that's my review. It's a movie. No, that just sounds harsh. That makes it sound like I didn't like it. I liked it quite a bit, but... It's um, a movie, baby. I had I had an odd experience with Ghostbusters Afterlife because the film fan in me, who just wanted to have a nice time out at the cinema, uh, had a nice time at the cinema. Yeah. I was, I was, I was with a, a pal I'd not seen in a while. He, he was up for it, so we were in a really nice sort of space for it. The Ghostbusters fan in me was interested with the directions it took as in continuing on that world from Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, um, from 1984 and 1989, and the film studies creative podcaster who does so much research into all the world of how these things come together in me thought it was fucking pathetic. Uh, it's really weird to be. I'm sat directly on the fence with it. That, um, that's for a, reasons. That's yeah. a stark fucking. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm. that's a divide right there. Yeah, that's it, a chasm. It is, it one is might a very, say of opinion. For those basic reasons, no spoilers going forward. Um, we'll talk about that in a future episode. But yeah, uh, I'm going to try and see it this weekend, so we hopefully we can talk about it spoiler free. Uh, I'm going to yeah. try and see it tomorrow as of this recording. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, hopefully we can talk about it next week. It's um, it's a for me, it's a solid two and a half star jobby, um, because everything that works in its favor works incredibly well. Everything that you kind of was like, oh, they're gonna do that, aren't they? Yeah. yeah they do all of it, and yeah. it's sort of like, oh, you didn't surprise me. But um, so you've got really good kind of predictable and then you have the oh this is what the studio thinks we want element which is is just is um insulting really uh it's 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 odd um without going into specifics over why and i don't want you to overanalyze it when you go in i'll just leave it at this the force awakens did way more damage than we realized yeah and i'll leave it at that um 
yeah, it's just Sony have gone, oh, that, and decided to stake their claim on that. It's something that happens in this movie. It's something I can already sense is going to happen in the upcoming Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, the member berries were planted. Indeed, they were. Yeah, in in a way where it's like, okay, substance, actual new things. As a result, the first two-thirds of the movie are the strongest part of the movie because it relies solely on the new things. So the plot, as we see from the trailers, and again, I won't go into it too much, is um, Carrie Coon plays um, a woman called Callie, who's a single mother to her kids. Trevor, played by Finn Wolfhard, and Phoebe, played by McKenna Grace, who is actually the main character of the movie uh, yes. and suffers from a horrendous back injury from carrying this whole damn thing. <laughs> um, that's not to say there's a bad cast, but like you go into this thinking it's going to be the story of a single mom coming to terms with her late father's um, uh, 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 hermit-esque life away from the family. And what it ends up really being is a story about how Phoebe is freaking great and... McKenna Grace, who is, I think, 15? So would have been 13 at the time of shooting this. Oh, God, yeah, it was shot like three years ago nearly, wasn't it? Carries a blockbuster on her shoulders and absolutely smashes it. So you, what, regardless of however the film makes you feel, folks, you're going to come away from it going, can she be in more things? Because she's great. Uh, let's have a little look at McKenna Grace's filmography. Um, she's been in a fair amount of stuff at this point. Uh, she was in... Of the Voices for the Angry Birds movie. She was in Independence Day Resurgence. Um, she was uh, one of the leads in Annabelle Comes Home. Um, she was young Carol in the flashbacks yeah. in Captain Marvel. Um, no, Keeks is she, just filming uh, on uh, yeah, her Handmaid's Tale thing, which I have seen, actually. Yeah, she's in Handmaid's Tale. Mm. She, uh, she, she's, she's been one of those actors. She was a young Sabrina in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina in, a, in an episode or two. Like, in fact, she was in The Haunting of Hill House. So there you go. She's one of those actors who's been in a lot since she was a kid. And luckily is very much a... Yeah, I can see why. She's she's mm. really got screen presence and can carry it. Um, so yeah, okay, uh, uh, yeah, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, so uh, Callie uh, moves with her kids. Trevor, uh, a up for it, but is just here because of cynical studio reasons to make you think of a different project. Finn Wolfhard... Who's having fun? Who's, who's having fun, but is like you know not really, is not making an impact on the story at all, really. Um, and uh, Phoebe, played by McKenna Grace, uh, they arrive at the uh, farmhouse of 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 um, Phoebe's estranged grandfather after he passes away in what she thinks is a mysterious circumstance. As does her new friend at summer school podcast, played by Logan Kim. Yes, yeah. that name is obnoxious. Yes, the performance is good enough that you don't give a shit. Mm, okay. Logan Kim is really okay. good. He's a really, really good um, child actor as well. Um, investigating her grandfather's farmhouse a little bit while her mum tries to make the most out of any financial gain they can get from it, considering mm. they're struggling and they've been left the shithole. Um, uh, Phoebe learns, alongside podcast, learns that there's way more to the reason her grandfather passed away than meets the eye. Yeah. And it may have something to do with an older job of his that he abandoned about 20 years ago with no explanation. So uh, mm. the title of the movie 
kind of tells you exactly what this character may or may not, who this character may or may not have been and what their job may or not may not have been. Uh, the work they do in the first two thirds to set up a mystery is going to play brilliantly to younger audiences yeah. who are vaguely aware of Ghostbusters uh, and will really set up something special for them. For big fans of the original film and even even number two, like myself, um, I, yeah, I am very intrigued as to the reason why a certain person moved out to the middle of nowhere and, yeah. and yeah. what their their final kind of um, day was. Uh, it's 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 done very very well and it's shot very very tastefully and is like okay, I see what you've done here. This is interesting. I like it when um, it's tasteful. We we do see some familiar faces uh, as you see in the trailer. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Annie Potts pops up in the trailer, don't you? And yeah, Annie Potts rocks up as Janine Melnitz, who uh, you realise was the one kind of looking after the financial affairs of the house yeah. in question, um, because the occupant of said house wasn't really good at keeping an eye on that stuff and was focusing on other things. Hmm. Uh, there are a few other familiar faces that you will see pop up. Um, your reaction will vary from either, oh, that was really nice to well that was obvious why did they do that <laughs> um strong chewy we're home vibes but not in a not in a satisfying way just all oh, right okay cool um uh so less yeah. satisfying force awakens yeah because that's see that's the thing the force awakens was pretty good like it was a palate cleanser that very softly it's 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 its plot very softly rebooted A New Hope, did A New Hope again, because it wanted to sort of remind you, so detached 30, 40 years from the original, like what the vibe of this world was that made you fall in love with it in the first place. So its plot is really similar, but its story is about a defecting stormtrooper and a uh, resistance pilot who's like really trying to get the job done and get stuck in and a girl abandoned on a junk world who may or may not be more than meets the eye and and charges into this world head first and we meet a bunch of people along the way that have dealt with this stuff before that we as viewers may recognize if we've seen the other movies and it's this fun ride where old meets new but by the end of it you're left in a place where you go cool let's see where they go with this next and let's follow these newer characters and see what happens now this movie is also that. Uh, the yeah. plot of the movie is basically the plot of Ghostbusters 1984. The story for the first two thirds is the story of Phoebe and her trying to connect to the grandfather she never knew. And and um, Callie and, and her dealing with the baggage of that. And also Trevor's here in town, I guess. Um, and then the final right, third... And then the final third goes, yeah, fuck that. We're going to focus on the plot as well now. And it, uh, But you already know how this works. So we're going to do the Cliff Notes version. And it's kind of like, oh, that's a shame. Um, yeah, okay. okay. The strength of, the strength of this is its, is its patience in the first two thirds. Um, it takes its time. This is very much a Jason Reitman movie. It is an indie drama that is funnier than the trailers have led you to believe. It is funny. It is a funny movie, but it isn't an out-and-out comedy. It's a coming-of-age youth film with a nice comedy through-line. Um, there are moments of horror, as there should be in a Ghostbusters movie, but they are 
quite few. Um, there are... Oh, Matt, there's so many member berries. There's so many just like... Yeah, yeah did you... Huh? And some are subtle, like the use of the soundtrack. And some... Not so much, like the tiny little stay puffs you've seen in the trailer. Um, there, there is a lot... I feel, I saw, it sounds like I'm really harsh on it, but it's just... It's just... it's You're going to get something out of it. You're absolutely going to get something out of it. But I think you'll also be able to smell the Amy Pascal sausage <laughs> and, and remember how it's made. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of... It's an odd one. It's an odd duck. Um... Massive shouts out to uh, uh, Paul Rudd as uh, the uh, the summer school uh, science teacher, Gary Gu- uh, Gruberson. He is instantly great, and you watch him in this movie and you go, God, he's brilliant, isn't he? Wouldn't he have made a good Ghostbuster if they were just doing yeah. one set now? Um, he would. Because he, he, he ain't that in this. Um if you can... He's got great chemistry with the child actors as well. Like They all bounce off each other really well. Uh, there's a couple of familiar faces in there that might be hard to spot. Um, Bokeem Woodbine, who, who uh, was a really fun shocker in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. He, he pops up as a um, as a, uh, a really sort of shitty uh, sheriff in the local jail. He gets like one big scene. He's, he's the closest thing this film gets to having like a Walter Peck kind of character and he does a really good job with it. Um... Keep your eyes peeled or your ears open for Josh Gad. That's one of the harder ones to spot. What? J.K. Simmons. Okay. That That is a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Yeah. And toughest of all, an uncredited Olivia Wilde. So if you're going to see the movie, try and keep an eye and an ear out for Olivia Wilde. Jesus. J.K. Simmons and Josh Gad. Um, ask me anything you want to ask and I'll answer spoiler free before we wrap up on this one. Because I, I don't want people to not go see it based on my reaction. I think everyone will get something from it. But if you're any kind of cinema head, you're going to spot the... You're, you're going to see the dots they've connected and go, someone else already did this. Why are you just doing it again? Two and a half, two and a half stars. Solid five out of ten. Does it, obviously, without yes. giving context, does mm. it acknowledge any other canon other than the first two films? Um, it mostly acknowledges the only the canon of the nineteen eighty four movie, mm-hmm. but one of the characters, as seen in the second trailer, is in a location that confirms the second movie still counts. Um, so a certain person's New York business is is confirmation that yes, the second movie did happen. Cool. This is what they are doing now, um, and there is also a big visual shout out to the real Ghostbusters and the action figures in particular. Okay. So so there's there's a little yeah it's Ghostbusters. This is a sequel to Ghostbusters one and two. But if you're a fan of the real Ghostbusters, there's a little something in there for you as well. Does it contradict or otherwise invalidate the video game? Yes and no. Um, because the video game. So so in the <laughs> in the original film, there's rumor that Ivo Shandor and a bunch of his followers are buried in Central Park. Yeah. Uh, near the the hotel 
um, which he built as a, as a monument to Goza the Gozerian and setting up all that stuff as a conductor for the rituals and, and you know the ascension of Goza and everything, and the, the coming of the Destructor and all that. Okay. Um, okay. Ghostbusters, the video game, has all of his stuff in an exhibit and mentions that he's like... That he's, he, he was from somewhere else. This muddies it even further by confirming that uh, Shandor's body was not in New York. <laughs> but you could just chalk that up to the information in the first film was incorrect. So, you know, they were, they were reading books about this bloke from the early 1900s getting into Satan worship. So it could be incorrect. The situation is developing, shall we say. Yeah, like you could you could play Ghostbusters the video game and watch this and not be too jarred. You could still be like, yeah, these th- these four stories, the four stories about these versions of the Ghostbusters. Okay. Okay. Uh, do I need to stay after the credits? You need to stay during and after the credits. Okay. It's a Sony movie in the year of our Lord 2021. Uh, they want they want a series. Sony want a franchise. They want it bad. Um, I was I was sort of surprised at the beginning when the Ghost Core logo came back up, and I was like, "No, oh. no, oh, okay, no, no." Well, I don't, I don't hate that just because, like, a producer on this is Ivan Reitman, who was given basically the Ghost Core to develop stuff. Oh, I suppose, uh, yeah. after after he was shoved out of the, the the production of whatever the third movie was going to be, which of course ended up being the remake. Um, and then he was given that to work on an animated project and other stuff. And then that got tanked because of the remake doing so poorly, critically and, and financially overseas. So they just didn't do it. So this is, this is a sign that like, okay, he'll get to make some stuff, but it's also, you know, oh, I see. So that, this isn't it. The film doesn't necessarily end with a, what's going to happen next? But there is a thread that you're like, if they want to tell more stories, that's what they'll use. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, anything else I want to know about this? Um, I don't think there is anything else I want to know about this. I could give you one. It's not even a spoiler. It's more just a reassurance that they're not just recycling everything. Yeah. Ask me if Slimer's in the movie. Chris, is Slimer in the movie? No. Yeah! I know. I'm really happy about that. Oh, oh, <laughs> Slimer's oh, not oh, in the fucking is, film. Is is um is is the invisible blowjob ghost in the movie? <laughs> you know, they could be. I I I I I, don't, I might I might have just not seen them, but <laughs> okay. No, no, there are there are there are a couple of spectral entities we've seen before in this film. Uh, one you've spotted in the trailer. Spentities. Um, yeah, but uh, but Slimer, I'm only I'm only letting you know this just because I'm I'm so I'm giving you an example of some people who made this had restraint because that is such an obvious one for them to do, but they they don't do him, and it's like well done. Uh, we get sort of a not successor to the Slimer throne, but we get a a new kind of like oh that's that's a similar. Similar kind of, you know, full, goat. full, uh, 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 full torso apparition, um, and uh, not so much a pet. You don't want to keep this one around, but it 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 is worked into the film's genuinely most interesting Ghostbusters specific sequence, which okay. is which is the car chase you see in the trailers. Um, that is fantastic. 
that is really really cool uh because it, it, you just go oh shit this is something that they would have probably done in one of the other two at some point had they the tech to pull this sort of thing off a bit more in the late 80s. Um, and it's a, it's a genuinely really interesting set piece. Um, but all the other stuff that's really cool isn't necessarily Ghostbusters specific. It's more character driven. And especially is is about Phoebe. So, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll want... Um, Paul Rudd as your summer school teacher after this, you'll be like, he's great. Can he be in more things? There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a moment in it that is either a really cynical, um, product placement tie-in, or a funny little nod to Ant Man. Well, you know it's the former. Yeah, but it works so... also as the latter. So it's like, okay, that's that's cute. That's that's cute. All I'm going to say is Baskin Robbins always finds out. So. Ants. Yeah. Ants. Ants. Amen. That's um, the best marketing for a movie recent years. Jesus. Go see it tomorrow. Have a fucking great time. And and, and report back next week with spiders. I better have a great time. If I, if I don't have a great time, I am specifically blaming you. No, you're going to enjoy it more than I, I did, I think. I think you're going to enjoy it more than I, because you, 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 you can sort of take off your studio analysis hat a bit more than I can, and go like, ah, fuck that. I'm just gonna. I like that bit. That was good. Are you saying I'm a simpleton? No, but I'm saying you've got some of your dad's like desire to enjoy movies. I do like. <laughs> does I, mean... I do generally want to enjoy things. Yes, this is. Yeah. This is the. Uh... When when you this get to the point where you're like you're like watching the 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 random shit DVD that he's picked up near the counter of Morrison's and you're also enjoying it, that's when we're like, he's too far gone, boys and girls. I mean, <laughs> his critical eye has completely vanished. I mean, I can enjoy some of those. That's for sure. <laughs> I can enjoy. I can enjoy a uh, a mockbuster. Well, I won't go that far actually. Um, nah, it depends on the mockbuster. In it, sniff right. TM. We've done some busting. He's going to segue, he's going to segue. Let's do some dusting off the old Doctor Who section segment. Oh, that was that was tortured. That was tortured and difficult. Matt Just and Chris, like two life on Doctor Who, Who fans. <laughs> oh! Is that, is, that a, is that a preview? No, actually, I, I quite mm. like this one. I th- you know what? You and I... Based on the, so we're recording this, folks, on Monday the twenty second. Happy birthday, Doctor Who, for tomorrow, I guess. Um, from what the reactions I've seen so far, from sort of the usual set, I think we're in a bit of a minority with this one. Like maybe I'm just reading the wrong corners of the internet, but I, I see a lot of people getting you know thrilled by some of the concepts in in Village of the Angels, but mostly kind of like I don't understand what's happening, and I'm like. For the first time in ages, I kind of get the plot now. Like, I kind of get it. There's still um, stuff unanswered, and I really hope that weeks five and six don't shit the bed. Like, I really hope weeks five and six actually stick the landing. I... That's what but worries I at least, me. Yeah, I at least feel like we're going in a direction now. It has, I, I, I feel... I would have really, really liked this episode. Yeah. If it wasn't... A, a part of something bigger like if it if mm. it had a prop if it didn't have the cutaways to bell 
and had a more self-contained plot structure, I think I'd really dig it. Because there's a lot of good stuff in there. There's a lot of good atmospherics. Mm. There's a lot of good, um, like, creepy stuff. There's a lot of neat concepts and, and sort of neat developments of the angel concept. Chibnall remembers that the angels are, by their very nature, quite cruel and sadistic as yeah, well, which I was yeah. very happy about. Yeah, because whenever they're neat. just written as, whenever they're just written as like, oh, they're an apex predator, it's like, cool. But what made them especially interesting in Blink and even more so in Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone is they're nasty pieces of shit. Like by their nature, they are, they are, they are. horrible, horrible. They like to mock and 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 taunt their victims, like. The Lonely Assassins game does an amazing job with that and leaning into it, and and this mm. that was I know what you mean. A story about the angels that we got tonight, uh, last night, that was really cool. And I think I think the stuff with Bell was also really cool, but I know what you mean. The episode as a whole would stand the test of time more if yeah. it was just a. We've ended up in this village in the sixties. Weeping Angels here. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. None of the time space. Was it the um, the uh, something something the how was it called uh, now? Oh, and the cloud here of the new Tom Trail or something. Something. Yes. Something yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. 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 The temporal something or other. The the whatever. The the city falling apart. The world falling apart around the town. Because what one thing that Bell's plot did really nicely. Spoilers ahead. Uh, what Bell's plot did really, 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 really nicely was <clears throat> actually kind of show us what the after effects of parts of the universe are that have been hit by the flux, by this storm of unmaking. Yeah. Like, it's not just completely removed worlds from existence. Sometimes it's just skimmed them. So it's like the place where she's gone, um, hoping to find Vinda, is half a planet that normally had, like, three suns and two moons and now has like a moon and two and a bit suns and it's like okay. which isn't how moons or suns or planets work but it's Doctor Who so who cares not in our solar system Sally yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> I don't know it's just again the whole the whole overarching flux plot just feels like it isn't going anywhere to me yeah the flux to me is the most as interesting as it is to see how the societies that have escaped it are surviving and how the the warmongers who are around it are now taking advantage of the confusion and death. Mm. Um, If you took the flux out of this series, it would streamline it for the better. And if it was just, these two motherfuckers are going around doing horrid shit to people and apparently some at the beginning of creation, like where time and space met, like it's something to do with it and the doctor was involved and doesn't remember it so it's now up to her now to go through these different trials and side things to find the clues that will help her crack the case like if it yeah. was just that it'd be like yeah sure but then they've added the flux and yeah yeah and and again like i said it it makes me sad that that's the case because i think some of the strongest stuff now for 2 weeks in terms of the performance especially has been the stuff with bell Oh, I yeah, think she's been really great. interesting. It's just it's yeah. not the plot that I'm interested in. And when no. you when you set up an episode which has a plot, as most episodes mm. should, doy. And when you set up an episode <laughs> yeah. that has a plot, uh, you want to follow that plot. You, I don't want to follow an overarching thing that doesn't have like it's it's one thing doing like little 
before the credits teasers or stingers or like yeah. cold open like stingers, but to just or, or even creepy oh. mid credit. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah, but to completely halt the momentum of a story that you're actually invested in, to go off and do something with a character you barely know. Hmm. I, 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 for me, it just kind of kills the momentum of the episode. So I think there's a lot of the, like War of the Sontarans balanced it better because it felt like mm. you, you had the Sontar. Something's gone wrong with time and space, and these Sontarans are taking advantage by going, "We're going to stick ourselves here in human history and change the course of history." And it balanced it better, and by, you deal with that by having the other plot be Yaz and Dan. Yeah, now Dan's connecting directly to the main plot, and Yaz is being the here's the bonus thread that will mm. lead into next week. Um, whereas yeah this week is everybody's in the same confusing mess two of them get separated and just spend most of it going right don't blink don't blink then here we go don't blink oh there's a little girl she says don't blink don't blink some of that oh I think I think the stuff that worked this week was probably the influence of uh, Maxine Alderton mm. uh, coming back after after the haunting of Villa Diodotti mm. which was great I which was great up until it tied itself really heavily into the finale for me. I enjoyed it mm. up until it was like, this is leading into the finale. I was like, oh, that sucks. Because if this was just a story about Mary Shelley, Lord Byron, and the night where they all allegedly went missing, and it, it was the story of something coming from the future, whether it was a kitbash Cyberman or not, it's like, that to me is a better self-contained story. And then this one is like, <laughs> Wow, angels in a village in the 60s sending people to exactly the same year, 1901, just before. I wonder what that mystery's all about. But apparently they've been here at these certain dates in history. I wonder what that is all about. Uh, oh, wait, now we've got to tie it into the overarching plot somehow, yeah. kind of, in a way. And it's like, oh. I, I stand by what I said last week, which is, um, I think this is going to be the first series that when it ends, we're all collectively as an audience going to go, that would have been better if you just put it all on iPlayer on the first day. Yeah, yeah. Like it, fe- it feels like a. It, so so when Lucy and I watched Stranger Things series one, we binged it. We were like, "Go on, we've not done one of these before. Let's binge it." Mm. We binged it and we had a great time. And then for series two and three, we spread it out a little bit. We watched like two episodes, and then a few days later, we watched another two. And I did find myself losing interest in the things that happened in individual episodes. Yeah. Because some stuff would just be like, and, and, right? Mm. And you, you, you could even, in some of them, you could even match it. You'd be like, all right, so like Steve, for example, in this episode, goes through events that take an hour. But it goes through two episodes for him. And everyone else has done like a road trip over here. And it's just like, this only works if you watch it in a big chunk. And you're just sort of absorbing it as one big thing, really. Yeah. And I feel like Flux so far is, is the first ever Doctor Who thing outside of a you know a classic serial that is screaming you should probably have watched this all in one go i think even the classic serials though because they're shorter episodes mm. and the stories so the story of a 45 minute episode of modern who is sort of the same in scope as a four episode serial from classic who yeah even though it's yeah. half the length yeah, yeah. but because that 100 odd minute 100 minute story is broken up into 425 minute segments each of those has its own structure 
Mm. And they were much better at writing for those individual structures. Whereas this is six hour longs. So it's six hour long segments, but each individual segment is not as... It doesn't have its own set structure. It's been written to binge and then someone's gone, no, we're putting one out a week. Oh, it's too late now. We've already made it. Come on Mm. then. Off we go. And it's like, oh, all right. Yeah, I'm I'm not as keen. I'm not as keen. And it makes me wonder what it would have been had we got the original eight episode miniseries we we were promised. Better, probably. Yeah. Well, yeah. Longer, I, wonder, I wonder how but... I wonder how much was ditched, and and therefore how much was compromised. Because as far as like the technical execution of it, it looks great, and and it, it, it you can't feel the the COVID compliance yeah. stuff of late twenty twenty in it really. There's no obvious kind of this has been done with uh, yeah. Like I think it was doctors um, I saw a few weeks ago where like, it was really obvious how they'd done it because they'd have people way in the foreground in two-person conversations separated yeah. by something between them. But one of the directors was trying to put a bit of flair on it and was using a lot of, like, focus, like, focus pulling and everything. Yeah. And it just made it look like people were CGI'd or green-screened on to another shot of another person. It was like, that's weird. Whereas this, <laughs> with this one, it feels very much like, no, this is this is business as usual on a technical level. Um, what did you think of the, the resolution of who Claire was? From episode one, because I I, I, didn't I was a bit care. yeah I was I was a bit miffed that it wasn't someone that had actually met them before because this gives us the explanation that she's from twenty twenty one yeah and she's vaguely psychic which to be fair Doctor Who has done classic and new series they've had it where there are people who have psychic abilities and it's just sort of explained as like yeah sometimes the universe hiccups and someone ends up with the ability to connect to things on a psionic level and yeah you know it's it's, it's how it is. Um, and it's apparently when she saw Yaz and the Doctor in the first episode, she was taken aback, not because she'd met them before, but because she'd had visions of them before. Yeah. And now it makes her reaction in that episode feel weird because her reaction would be, oh my God, you're real. I, sorry, I just, um, no, I, I have so many questions and have them be like, we're really sorry, but we're in the middle of some, and instead then push her away in the, 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 you know, the pacing of it all. Yeah. Um, and then she gets captured. Whereas in this, it, it makes it clear that, like, no, she she just walked up to him and was like, oh, hi, oh, yeah, the ones of my dream. Okay, cool. You've not met me yet. What do you mean you've not met me yet? You don't know what... Huh? What a weird choice of phrase. It's very odd. And I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think she does a pretty great job in this. But, um... It was especially considering Chibnall, all around. Especially considering Chibnall's trope of monster possesses person to talk through them. Um... Which was kind of cool, but... Mm. Yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit upsetting because I love the bit at the beginning where she was like taking the test or whatever with um, Professor uh, Billy Hom Big Billy Sticks, um, yeah, played by Pirates of the Caribbean's very own Mister Badger. Um, <laughs> that's, that is that is an obscure ass reference for anyone who's ever listened to the commentary for Curse of the Black Pearl. Um, and I recommend it because it's back when they used to do that for DVDs and the cast are having a fucking ball doing it. Good. Um, Good. But yeah, he, he he's uh, Kevin McNally making his second Doctor Who appearance. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Well, when you've been in the twin dilemma, I think you'd be scratching at the chance to be in a better one at some point, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, quite, quite. Like, for the love of shit, please let me be in a different one at some mm-hmm. point. We're going to make you wait 30 odd years. Oh, God, no. Um, <laughs> that's, that's his cliffhanger. 
He's been waiting 30-odd years. He he was fun. Uh, Claire was fun. I like the idea of him running the tests and the, you know, the, the, the was it, the spect- spectrograph? The... Something like that. can't remember what it's called now, but that machine would be like, that machine would be like, she's lying, or at least she believes that, so she believes something else other than what she's saying. And I like the idea of that being sort of unequivocal proof that she's from a different time, is that she's she's saying like, yeah, so what year were you born? 1935? Yeah. Mm, this machine says you weren't. All right. You know, 1985, whatever, the machine doesn't say she's lying. Like, that was a cool idea. Um, that does make you wonder why he's randomly studying... Why he's a professor in a tiny village studying psychic phenomena. Yeah. So what's this about? Yeah, there's, there's more... It's one of those, like... In its setup, it ends up raising more questions than it than it than it answers. Yeah. It's not really interested in answering anything. This one, this one is. It was very atmospheric. It was very spooky, and I think personally, I think this this is my favorite episode of the series so far. But it is very much mm. a you pull one string and the jumper begins to collapse. Yeah, when yeah. It comes I think to I probably plot. agree with that actually. Like, why why is the little girl like? kind of fine seeing her uncle or granddad or wherever he was being murdered by the angel because she didn't care for him but has nothing to say about her grandma slash auntie whoever she was has nothing to say about that yeah it's well, that's, just that's a weird. weird isn't it and why is the future version of her in the village knowing that she'd go back to this day because the flux has kind of set up the idea the whole miniseries set up the idea that everything's kind of fucked really yeah so she wouldn't have this memory because this wasn't the thing that always happened. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I don't hate the idea that she had a vague memory from being a child of someone pointing out a specific gravestone to her. So when she gets older, she becomes obsessed with counting the gravestones in that village because she just kn- she knows that one day it's going to freak her out or prove something. And she's mm-hmm. not quite sure what it is. Uh, where did the vicar end up? We didn't see him again, did we? Well, yeah, she said that she they like to leave some behind, so I'm assuming he just got stoned like the uh <laughs> stoned huh. like the that the granddad did. Maybe. That was weird, because she very deliberately said, um, like they they've never done it to the same person twice. And it's like, hang on. Wasn't the entire plot of the Angels Take Manhattan that people are being kept in farms in random buildings around the world where the Angels are continuously sending them back in their own timeline in that building so that they can feed off the energy of the potential life they had? And that was the whole point of that. Is it? Yeah. So it's like, hang on. So maybe it's a choice thing. Maybe it's just the Angels fucking with them and I don't know. I don't hate the Angel talking through... um, uh, Claire and I certainly don't hate the angel talking through the the rudimentary CCTV monitor using the professor's own voice. Indeed, indeed, I really like that shit. I I like when they fuck around with you like that. That's always really fun. And and the, just how cruel they are. They're just mocking him. And then at the end, when they don't attack the doctor because she realizes it, it's because they're enjoying what's happening right now. That they're they're waiting to see what happens when I step out and see I'm surrounded. Mm. Like, like I, I, the angels make great villains not just because of the simple concept, but because they are absolute fucking bastards when when they're written like that. And this that's is really true. cool. They are absolute fucking bastards. But they're some of the few Doctor Who villains that like enjoy being utter twats. Yeah, like they really enjoy it. 
there's no there's no mission of you know like oh no we have no emotions or you know all we know is hatred or whatever it's like oh this is fun and it's like oh that's really creepy um dan and yaz yeah they were mostly kind of reduced to just asking questions in this one just um vinda's again like seeing vinda just having missed Bell was quite fun and, and the idea that she'd set coordinates and not quite caught it but he's going to come looking for her that was sweet again mostly just because the actors play it so well um, yeah no I think the performances all around are really good I just don't think there's there's I mean, what, anything what, what's, to particularly work with what's the Azure passenger thing like why why is she randomly imprisoning thousands of survivors on, on other worlds like is that going to get resolved or is it just because they're like you, the viewer, know that they're no good bastards, so we're going to yeah. show them kidnapping people. It's like, and? Now, what does any of it mean? Are we going to get the resolution in the next two episodes? Because next week is called Survivors of the Flux, and it looks like a mixture of characters we've seen over the yeah. series so far, Some, including some that don't belong in an earthy, earthly time period. Yeah. Um, so it's like, are we going to get more amalgamation of everything bleeding into themselves? Because we didn't get we didn't get Tunnel Bloke this week. He didn't show we up. We didn't. We didn't. And um, we didn't get Carvin Easter, but we know he's coming next week. And um, yeah, it's just like, where's this? Where's it? <clears throat> where's it leading? How is it? If they're going for that whole thing of it's a mashup of worlds, how is it that Moffat did that better in the opening five minutes of uh, the wedding of River Song? We had yeah. like pterodactyls flying around Hyde Park and like Romans and this, that, and the other, and Charles Dickens on BBC Breakfast and all that stuff. And it was like, what is ha-? like that episode opens and you go, the fuck is happening? Yeah, that was what funny. is this? And and it's a really interesting opening. You know, <laughs> excuse for McNeese to utter one of my favourite lines to just quote randomly because it just sounds so dumb. Tell me, Doctor, what happened to time? Just the delivery is so ridiculous in that episode, and especially followed up by Big Beardy Matt Smith going, "A woman." <laughs> Churchill giving a face that's like, mm, "Fucking yeah, too right." Tell me a story, come on. Mm. I'm gonna get me cigar out. Um, I'm gonna get me little Churchill out. Um, Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> we all do. Um, but like that opening five minutes of that story did the idea of reality crumbling and and all the timelines converging in a much more Visually interesting and instantly understandable way. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay. Something's screwed up and now everything's bleeding into each other and it's everyone thinks that that's how things have always been as it keeps changing and, you know. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. The doctor, mm-hmm. the doctor saying contact is always quite a cute little nod. Like the psychic connection thing and, and just saying contact. You go, oh yeah, that's what Time Lords do to sync each other up. That's They fun. say contact. Hmm. Or do what Eleventh Doctor does in the Lodger and just headbutts James Corden. Um, well, that's more fun, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, uh, people are going to kick us if we don't talk about the cliffhanger. So, so we learn that the angel that's in Claire's head is an angel that's been looking for a place to hide because it apparently has inf- information about the... Um, something or other that's going divi- on with it's, it knows the division. Of, yeah, it's got all the information about the division. All of Specifically it. Specifically because this this faction of angels that they're dealing with 
have been under the employ of, or maybe the enslavement, we haven't learnt yet, but like they have mm. been under the command of the division at some point. And this angel's got all the info, and this woman had a psychic vision and just so happened to have a psychic vision about an angel, and so it latched onto her like telepathically through that and formed yeah. inside her head. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, when you go back to that first one, I don't think it's the same angel that makes her vanish in the street. So that implies that a different angel was like, it's in there and zapped her somewhere so that it could... And that's what they said, isn't it? They said it was after the angel. It was never after you, it was after the angel in your head. And I don't hate the idea of... Like, we've had the setup that anything that contains the image of an angel can become an angel. So she has a random psychic vision of a weeping angel. That's a weeping angel in her brain. Mm. So like, okay... I don't hate that. That's an interesting thought. All right. I thought they used that really well in this. The one in the CCTV that bursts through the screen. That looked really mm-hmm. cool. My favorite one was the the scribbled up drawing that just quietly reformed in the furnace. And yeah, that was really neat. Ga- gave us the excuse for the Doctor to throw it in the fire. And then the same angel just reappears on fire. <laughs> like, that yeah. was really cool. It's like, yeah, that's that's some weird logic, but I'll take it. Um, yeah, the interesting idea that... ideas, isn't it? But just poor hmm. execution. In terms of the overall package, yeah, yeah. And I don't, and I don't think the director yeah. did a bad job. I think the director did a really good job to make it look good. No. I think the village the, was the... shot really spookily in both daytime and at nighttime. Yeah. The um, stuff in the tunnels was great. Yeah, the stuff in the house felt really tense, especially mm-hmm. when you had Thingy locking the back door and sort of keeping his eye on them, and then that realization yeah. two minutes later that well, no one's looking at the kitchen, so. Yep. You hear the smash of the back door and you're like, oh, shit. And I always love it when they have the angels move when we can't see them. Like, I'm all for yeah. that. Like, when the door, when they ring the doorbell. And again, you just realise afterwards they're doing that just to fuck with them. Yeah. Like, that's creepy. <laughs> like, that's really, really creepy. Um, It, it was my favourite of the four so far, but I just, I, I don't know if it's, if this is going to be worth it. The next two weeks will tell, I guess. Yeah. If, if if Flux ends with a ah, this bit's resolved but what about this bit? Tune in to the first of three specials. I'm going to be like, no. Flux off. Come on. No. Tell a safe, tell a self-contained story and then have a little nugget crossover that we can, a nugget crossover that we can follow into the three final ones. Get Fluxed, baby! Yeah, I want, I want, Trial of a Time Lord ends with a conclusion to Trial of a Time Lord. Mm. Like the key to time doesn't carry on over after the key to time. I don't want Flux to carry on most of its stuff onto whatever's next. It's got it's gotta it's gotta have a wrap up. And, I, don't, and I, I, I don't think I want Flux. <laughs> Frankly, my dear. I don't flux a flux. I don't give a flux. Um Filth. And other puns. You're a pun. I am a pun, or play on words. You're a play on word. Have we got any dirty, dirty emails in the stink hole? We've got an email about Gafterlife, but as I've not seen it, I'm going to save it for oh, next week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If it's got Spohailwes in it, then it needs to be saved. It may have, but I ain't touching it, just in case. Don't, don't want to take a peeky just in quass. No, 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 I, I feel you, bruh. I feel you right in the holes. Stop feeling me. It's really <sighs> creepy. Also, how you're reaching through the screen like that. Are you, in fact, a weeping angel? That which contains the image of an angel is itself an angle. 
My I, weeping uh, angel's a weeping angle. It's just it's it. just the edge of a table that's a bit moist. I'm telling you now, I hate it. Do you know what I don't hate though? What? When this lot get in touch. Big damn contact hey. at gmail.com. Your thoughts on flux as it happens. Remember, next week if you watch Survivors of the Flux and send us your thoughts immediately afterwards, they will be in the episode by the time it goes out. So make sure to do that. And also if you've seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, we're gonna go spoiler balls deep on it next week. If you've so seen Ghostbusters in. Afterlife, spook, spectre, or apparition. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle you. of the night? <laughs> We are ready to believe you. Winston is the best Ghostbuster. Please agree with me by tweeting at us at Big Damn Cast. You can also support us with shekels in the penny pot to keep this on the air at patreon.com slash big damn cast. You can and do until, all those things. Yeah. You can do all those things, but until next time, Matthew's going to leave you with some wise words of wisdom as passed on to him from Kevin McNally from the recording of The Twin Dilemma. But they said it was twins. I thought it'd be more fun. You don't even know what a peer he is. Shit business, innit? <laughs>